Good morning, everyone. It is a blessing to be with you. Thank you to our worship team. This is the last time that we will have our live stream as actually live this year because we have pre-taped our service for next week. You don't want to miss it. Uh, our Pastor Austin is going to be preaching next week. I'm really excited. I've been able to talk with him about his message, and it's going to be a great one as we close out the year. But it will not be live, live, uh, which is the end of a, a bit of a, an era for us this year. And I just want to give a shout out to everyone who has helped to make these live streams possible. We started, if you remember, our first time on March 15th. We had made the decision to go live on Friday, March 13th, and we went live on March 15th with only me preaching and no worship. And if you look back at that live stream, it definitely doesn't look nearly as good as this. So thank you to everyone who has been part of that. And if you are on the chat today, give them some love. There are so many people who have been involved. Today we have a bit of a smaller crew than usual as people are starting to travel for the holidays. And we're thankful that we get a couple weeks to have some people spend some time with, with family and have some taped services so we can be apart during this time as the numbers are bad, specifically in LA County. But thank you to everybody who has been part of this. I know that people tell me every single week, these live streams are getting me through this really difficult time. And that is because of all of you all. So thank you to those who have participated and who have spent so much time and dedicated their talents and their efforts to blessing all of us by being part of this. So thank you to you and make sure you say thank you in the chat and everyone will be able to look at that later. As Sonia said, we also want to wish you all uh, a Merry Christmas, and you need to make plans to join us for the Christmas Eve service at 8 p.m. You can watch it on YouTube, and it's just going to be a fantastic service. I've gotten to see some of the video we taped it a couple weeks ago. I've gotten to see some of it. It is just fantastic. You will be blessed by it, so please make plans to join us and send it to a friend. This is a very weird year where people are going to spend more time in isolation, and uh, perhaps you know of people who are going to be alone during this Christmas season, send it to them. Say, you will be blessed by this, and I know that, that they will and that you will also. So please make sure to join us on Christmas Eve at 8 p.m. A couple of prayer needs that I have that I want to pray about as I start this morning. Marlene Rubin let me know that her brother fell and broke his hip. So we want to keep him uh, in prayer right now. And also the Flores family, Alfredo and Vanessa and little Valentina are expecting a baby uh, in the next week or so. So we want to continue to lift them up in prayer as they are expecting a little Christmas extra bundle of joy. And Valentina is looking forward to being the big sister, I'm sure. So let's pray for those things right now. God, we continue to pray in your name for the end of coronavirus as it's been a really hard time. And specifically in Los Angeles, it just feels dark and, and hard and difficult. So we, we pray uh, for the end of, of that as soon as possible, Father. We are thankful for the news about the vaccine and we pray that those would be distributed uh, as quickly as possible, especially to those who are on the front lines of, of fighting uh, this very terrible disease. Father, we pray for... Marlene's brother, as he fell recently, and we just lift him up in his recovery. We pray for the Flores family, and we wish that we could see them in person and celebrate this new baby in person. But Father, we just lift them up as they are expecting to have that little baby in the next couple of weeks. So just be 
with them as they are expectantly waiting together. Father, may we all recognize that even in a weird Christmas time that seems difficult and hard and perhaps even darker than, than usual, we, we need you and we turn our hearts over to you. We turn our anxieties to you and pray that you will just be with us during this time in a special way, that we would feel your spirit and presence and your warmth during the season. Father, as we consider the greatest story ever told this morning, as we think about the coming of your son, may we think about it in a new way. And may we open our hearts to receive the message that you have for all of us. And I pray that you would speak your message through me. In your son, Jesus, in my pray. Amen. Something that I miss about not having a normal Christmas this year is the gift exchanges. Those are always a little bit awkward. I have a way to fix it. You can ask me about that later, but there's always awkwardness in a gift exchange. Are you supposed to bring something funny or is it supposed to be good? And if it is good, then why do we just all pass around these $20 Starbucks gift cards? It doesn't necessarily make a a whole lot uh, of sense. So I have a fix for that. You can ask me about that later. But there was one gift exchange that I will always remember. My family was visiting our extended family in the Northwest when I was in high school. And we were doing a gift exchange. It was, everybody was passing around uh, $20 gift cards to Starbucks or Target. And then there was a, a lady who was there who was not related to me. She is my uncle's sister, but not related to me. You can figure that out later. It's not that complicated, but she was there. And she, for her gift, had given a CD of her singing group singing Christmas songs. And my uncle, not the uncle who was related to her, opened it and you could tell he wasn't too thrilled because he was the only one who was not getting a $20 a Target gift card. He said, thanks uh, for this. This is really, really sweet. Thank you for a CD of yourself singing. And it got even better because then we decided to start singing some Christmas songs together. And she had her own little riffs on all the Christmas songs. And I will always remember uh, on Silver Bells, we sang Silver Bells. And then she would sing, I can hear them softly ringing. And then Silver Bells, I can hear them in the square. And that actually made that CD way more valuable than all the gift cards that we got. And I wish that I had it now. Those type of things happen during a Christmas season that is typical for us. We have awkward gift exchanges. We have things that are going on. Our lives zoom and seem to happen very, very quickly during the Christmas season. And this year, it's different. It's smaller. It's simpler. It maybe feels much different to you. And honestly, especially if you're in Los Angeles, I hope that it does because we have to be extremely careful during this time. And that's why it's important for us to recognize how the church has celebrated Christmas traditionally because American Christmas is great. It's a gift exchange to get something that you really don't need. It's buying a Lexus for someone, which I don't even understand how that's possible. It's, you know, trying to think of something for somebody that has everything and giving it to them. It's all of these things that are going on. But the problem with American Christmas is it's for happy people. But if you've lived long enough, there's going to be a Christmas that's hard. If you've lived long enough, there's going to be a Christmas that's sad. And collectively, we are experiencing perhaps just a more difficult Christmas than ever this year. But at some point, you're going to have some difficulty celebrating the Christmas season. 
That's why Advent is good news for us, the way that the church has celebrated Christmas for a long time. Because Advent is from the word Adventus, which is a Latin word, your Latin lesson for the day, which means coming or arrival. Christmas in the American way is for happy people. Advent is for waiting people, waiting on the coming of Christ. And I think perhaps in 2020, more than ever, this myth of superiority has been broken in all of us. This myth of us being progressive as a society to get to a point that we're just welcoming all people and there's room for everyone around our table. As we think about coronavirus and racial injustice and all of the things that we've struggled with both personally and as a society this year, I think we would all raise our hand perhaps more than ever and say, y'all, we need Jesus, right? We need God to lead us. This Christmas, we're not happy people that just need a little bit more. We are waiting people who truly need the coming of Christ. In some ways, more than perhaps ever in my life, I'm confronted with darkness. And as I think about this next couple months, perhaps, of coronavirus and hospitals in a space where it's tough to have enough beds, as I think about what that's going to be like, it's dark. But God often starts in dark places with bringing the light. Christmas trees in and of themselves are a celebration of that. The tradition of bringing a Christmas tree into your house was from Northern Europe, where during the Christmas season, it gets dark really, really early and it's cold. And so people started bringing Christmas trees into their house because it was one of the only things that was living during this time. And it was a reminder that one day God was going to bring life again, even though it was dark and cold right then and right now. You had in your living room a reminder of the fact that God was going to bring life into the world again. So as we go through this time, maybe recognize that God brings the light of the world through sometimes small ways and often through insignificant looking beginnings. Jesus spends most of his life in a town called Nazareth. It's a place that is a middle of nowhere type place. When the disciples first hear that Jesus is from Nazareth, they say, what good can come from there? And Nazareth is not Fresno or Bakersfield. Nazareth is a town outside of Fresno or Bakersfield or whatever town that you would say, I didn't even know that place existed. It's a place that would not have a stoplight. It wouldn't have a McDonald's. It's a small insignificant place. Yet the savior of the world, this really blows your mind if you think about it, spends 85% of his life there. We have the gospels which tell us the story of Jesus's ministry. But for most of Jesus's life, God on earth is hanging out in a nowhere town, doing stuff that we're not even sure exactly what he did. The passion of the Christ tells us that he made a table, but that's the only thing we know about that early part of his life. We don't know if that actually is true, but as you think about that, it's really mind-blowing to think that 85% 
of Jesus's life is spent in a place that we would look at and go, this has no real purpose at all. Why did he spend so much time there? And I think that as we consider our lives and consider this moment in our history, when our Christmas celebrations are please make them smaller than they would have been last year. As we think about that, it's a, a smaller gathering and perhaps not as many people are filling your Christmas this time. May you recognize that God does amazing things through things that seem insignificant or not all that important. And sometimes when we're in these seasons, when we feel more isolated and alone, or we're wondering about what God's purposes are, we can start to question, God, what is the purpose of this. We have a desire to matter. We want to do something significant with our lives. I love how C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, says this. He says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. We aren't born with these desires to matter and have a purpose and to make a difference for the world unless like, there is something that will ultimately satisfy those things. And there are moments when we break through and we really experience our purpose and say, God, I'm so thankful like I was in this moment for this. But when we're going through a time like coronavirus, when we're going through a season like 2020, we can wonder, God, what is your purpose? But we want to live a life that is significant and not just to ourselves. Think about what you want one day your death to look like. You want it probably to happen in your sleep and probably you want to die at home with loved ones surrounding your bed, friends and family, people that you've mentored telling stories about you and you want it to be like as, as long off as possible so you can still experience more life, but you want people to be around you in that moment who you have made a difference in their life. And you want to hear, wow, I can't believe the difference that you made. Thank you so much for what you taught me in this moment. We want our lives to have a meaning that goes way beyond just us. But if that's the end that you have in mind, what steps are you taking to get there? How are you going to fill that gap? And oftentimes I would argue that it comes from insignificant and small ways that we consistently reach out and show the love of God to other people in ways perhaps that we wouldn't even think was all that significant. But because we are trying in every single moment to live for God's purposes, I think at the end of your life, someone will be able to say, you meant so much to me. I think we see in the life in ministry, the way that Jesus starts out and lives so much time in Nazareth is significant. So Matthew chapter two tells us this about Jesus. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. They had fleed to Egypt uh, after being worried about uh, Herod killing uh, the young boys. Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, another part of Herod's line, was reigning in Judea, this isn't good news, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. So 
They are afraid of what is going on, and so they withdraw to this place called Nazareth. And it's interesting to think about that. The word in Hebrew for Nazareth, at its root, it means little twig. That's what Jesus spent time and a lot of his life living in, in a place called Little Twig. Now, that should surprise us, perhaps. Imagine that you are from a town called Little Twig. It's interesting to think about how towns and, and cities get their name. One that is a favorite of mine is uh, Boring, Oregon. Here's a picture. Um, Boring, Oregon is, is a very real place. And the reason that it's called Boring, Oregon is because in the 1850s, the Boring family uh, had settled there. And the word boring is really a modern invention to be bored. Uh, really didn't come into like our word and vernacular until the 1900s. So if your kid ever says you're bored, just say like, well, that's a modern invention. You can talk about that. But it's actually very modern for us to be bored. You're lucky if you're bored because most of human existence, they didn't have time to be bored. Uh, so the idea of boring Oregon, it didn't really have negative connotation with it until very recently. And so in the 1850s, it's like, yeah, the boring family, we'll just call this boring Oregon. And they've somewhat embraced this. And I did some um, research on boring and it was fascinating. And boring Oregon has a sister city in Scotland called Dull Scotland. And Dull uh, means meadow. And then every summer during non-COVID times, they have the Dull and Boring celebrations, which are week-long celebrations of each other's heritage. If you ever want to go check that out, uh, I don't know, maybe we can go together. I didn't hear about it uh, until just a couple days ago. But it's uh, really interesting how they have embraced this and said, we have some weird names. We're just going to fully lean into this and not pretend that, that our town isn't called Boring or that our town isn't called dull. But it's really interesting how towns and places and cities get their name and then eventually sometimes the meanings can change a little bit. But I think about this place that Jesus spent so much of his time called Little Twig. It's a place that they likely call that because it's not a really important city. It's not Jerusalem. It's not Rome. It's not something that you would think of as a significant place. But what's interesting to see is that the followers of Jesus early on, they start to lean into this and just consistently Jesus is called the Nazarene. So in Acts chapter 24, the passage tells us this, and you see this consistently. We found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. This early group of Christians, this is even before the word Christian comes into existence. People are trying to figure out, are you guys Jews or what exactly are you? And they start to call them the Nazarene sect. I think this shows us that early followers of Jesus embraced this idea that Jesus was from a nowhere place. He lived his life and spent much of his existence out of public view, not in an important city, but in a place that you really can't even call a city. And what is it that Jesus did during that time? We don't know. Maybe it wasn't even important enough to write about. But I bet he loved his family. I bet he developed his relationship with God. I bet 
He spent time serving people. We don't know about that time. But what we do know is the results of that time. We do know that he was practicing. He was getting ready to do really important stuff. As we think about what it is that we want to do with our lives and our world, what we want to do is we think about a smaller, more insignificant feeling, perhaps, Christmas that is just different. Can we recognize that God does big things with things that at first we would say are small? That God does significant things with things that we would say are not all that significant? What are you practicing for? What ways are you turning over moments that are small and seemingly insignificant and saying, God, I want to release this to you and I want to be faithful in this small thing. Not even perhaps that one day I'm going to do something marvelous. God, I'm going to be faithful in this small stuff because I've seen you as you have used small things to do significant things over and over again. I love the quote by Mother Teresa. I don't have it on the screen, so don't panic computer people. But I I love the quote by Mother Teresa that not all of us can do great things as far as these great big things, but we can all do small things with great love. We can all do small things with great love. What if all of us that watched this just did one small thing with great love. How many lives would be touched and changed through your decision to say, you know what, this season is hard and it's weird and it's different, but I'm going to do something small that I can do with great love. I think of David being chosen in the Old Testament how when Jesse has brought his sons uh, to see who was going to be the king, he brings all the, like, the studs at first and all those who you would expect, well, certainly he's not going to pick David, this little shepherd boy. So we're not even going to bring him in from the field. But eventually we learn about David that God looks at the heart. God looks past the things that we often look at and he doesn't think about things in the same way that we do because God can do miraculous things through people. Sometimes we would think are insignificant. David eventually kills Goliath when all these other war heroes are scared. And David talks about how he has the confidence to do it because he's been training killing bears out in the field. At these times that nobody noticed when he was alone, he learned to eventually knock down a giant. Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. John chapter 19, verse 19 says this, Pilate had noticed, had a notice prepared and fashioned to the cross. On the cross, it reads, Jesus of Nazareth, the king 
of the Jews. In Mark 16, 6, says this. It should be Mark 16. Yeah, there we go. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified consistently throughout the Gospels and then on into the book of Acts. As I said, this comes up over and over again. Jesus, the one from Little Twig. That's how you should read this forever from this moment. Jesus, the one from this nowhere town that is outside of Fresno or in the middle of nowhere, wherever it is, Jesus, the one who is from that place. He changed the world because God does great things through David, the one who his family is like, there's no way that you're going to choose the shepherd boy, right? God does great things through someone who spent 85% of his life in a nowhere town. I think of how my ministry first started. I was working on my graduate degree and I got asked to go preach for a church. I was studying in Abilene, Texas, which is the middle of nowhere in Texas. And the place that asked me to preach was in Opland, Texas, which was 40 minutes away from Abilene. So it was 40 minutes into the middle of nowhere from the middle of nowhere. And it was a church of eight people all over the age of 60. And I preached a couple sermons for them. And they said, well, you've got the job now. And I said, what job? And they said, well, you're our preacher now. And I had only three sermons prepared. I'd preached two of them. So I knew I had to write some more material. And this church was such a blessing to me in my ministry. It was so significant for me in my growth and my understanding of how to preach every single week. And this church from Opland, Texas, and go ahead, if you want to on your phone, look it up on the map. It barely even comes up. This church sent somebody to do 13 years of ministry in LA, largely due to their love and care for me. And I look at some of those sermons because sometimes I'm preaching on things that I know I preached on back there. And I think those sermons were terrible. I mean, if you think I'm bad now, you should have seen back then Every single week, those eight people loved me. And every single week, I got a chance to share in their generosity. One of the great moments of my life is I got a chance to take Mandy out to that church when we had gotten together. And it was so fun to introduce her to that church. And they had a special potluck for us, as they would often do. And as we were eating the brisket, which is some of the best brisket I've ever had, and I'm a big barbecue person because I spent time in Texas. It is one of the best briskets I've ever had. And someone said, who made this brisket? And this guy said, it was Button. And I never met Button and never knew who he was, even though he had been at that. He didn't go to church with us, but he made the brisket. And Mandy always jokes about that. We always think about how Button made the brisket. That was Opland life. It was very different. Some guy from L.A. preaching to this group in Opland, but they sent someone to L.A. It's fascinating to see how God can use small towns, small in insignificant moments to do big things. So can you be faithful with the small things? I think of the book of Acts, how it says this about David's life. Now David had served God's purpose in his own generation. He fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors 
and his body decayed. And I love that little note at the end, which is like, that was somewhat unnecessary. I think we knew uh, that, that his body decayed. There's parts of Pat, the, the Bible like, why is that in there? But it's there. But the rest of it is very cool. And he's buried with his ancestors and he served God's purpose in his generation. What if that could be said about you and me? That in our generation, in 2020, in coronavirus times, in 2020, as we've thought about racial injustice and some, at some points we're overwhelmed and wonder where to start, but can we say, I want to serve some purpose. I, I want to continue to do this. I want to show up. Because sometimes it's in small and seemingly insignificant ways that as we turn these things over to God, God is unbelievably faithful. And those small things, they add up. They matter. They make a difference. So as your Christmas is a little bit smaller and it's different this year, may you recognize that that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't with you. Because Jesus of little twig is the God that we serve. Jesus who was in this nowhere town without a stoplight and with no McDonald's. He spent 85% of his life. And we see the highlights at the end. But he was preparing for that moment. And may we recognize that we have the opportunity to do a small thing this Christmas with great love. Who is it that you just know you need to reach out to? May we as a church do hundreds and thousands of small things with great love during this season because it's stuff like that that changes the world. Something that's interesting about my wife's work is she gets an opportunity during normal non-COVID times to work with food banks. She does writing and she gets an opportunity to go all around the country and to talk with people who are running food banks and organizations. And she says it's so interesting to see how as she interviews these food banks and organizations and all of these leaders, it's always churches who are doing this work. And it's these little churches all over the country that started a food bank and then it turned into this bigger thing. And it's become this big ministry, but it just started with the people of God showing up for people who had needs. And I'm thankful for the ways that you all do that already. But can you continue to be faithful even during this weird Christmas because we serve Jesus the Nazarene, which means God does big things through little twigs and nowhere places. So as your Christmas celebration is a bit smaller, may you recognize that that doesn't mean that God's not there. We have a chance to share in communion, which is one of my favorite times when we get a chance to share virtually this a communion meal that we get a chance to remember the center of our faith, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus.